One day, Samba and the other young boys of the Yadava dynasty, you can also call it Yadu, that A-V, Yadu, Yadava, Stick on the uh, U and the A and the end of the U turns the U turns to A V Yadava the Yadu Yadava dynasty with a long mark Yadava dynasty long A the uh, these boys of the Yadava dynasty went to the forest to play and after playing for a long time they became very thirsty and began looking for water inside a dry dry well. They found an amazing creature, a huge lizard resembling a hill. The boys felt sorry for it, tried to pull it out. But after several attempts with leather thongs and ropes, they saw that they would not be able to rescue the creature. And thus they went to Lord Krishna and told him what had happened. The Lord accompanied them to the well upon and, extending his left hand, easily lifted the lizard out. By the touch of Lord Krishna's hands, the creature transformed at once into a demigod. Then Lord Krishna asked, Who are you? And how did you achieve such a lowly form? The divine being replied, My name was King Riga, son of Ichvaku, and I was famous for giving charity. Indeed, I gave away countless cows to numerous brahmanas. But on one occasion, a cow belonging to a first-caste brahmana wandered into my herd. Unaware of this, I gave the cow in charity to a different brahmana. This story is also in the Krishna book, which is Prabhupada's summary of the 10th canto. When the cow's previous owner saw the second brahmana taking the, this cow away, the first brahmana came, the cow is his, and began arguing with the second brahmana. After quarreling for some time, they approached me, and I implored them to each take 100,000 cows in exchange for the one cow, and to please forgive me for the offense I had unknowingly committed." But neither Brahmana would accept my proposal, and the matter remained unsettled. Shortly thereafter I died, and was taken by the Yamadutas to the court of Yamaraj. Yama asked me which I preferred to do. First, suffer the result of my sins, or enjoy the results of my pious activities. I decided to suffer my sinful reactions first, and thus I assumed the body of a lizard. After King Riga had told his story, he offered prayers to Lord Krishna and then mounted a celestial airplane which transported him to heaven, obviously to enjoy the results of his pious activities. After King Riga had told his story, he offered prayers to Lord Krishna. Lord Krishna then instructed his personal associates as well as the general mass of people on the dangers of stealing a Brahmana's properly, property. Finally, the Lord returned to his palace. So that's the story of King Riga. Now in text 11, uh, we get the list of eight kings 
there, this last one, beginning with uh, Hiranyakashipu, Vritrasura, Ravana, Namuchi, Shambhara, Bauma. Uh, let's see. Hiranyaksha and Taraka. These are the ones that are listed there. They're all of them demons, officially. So Hiranyakashipu, we are quite familiar with, killed by Nishringa Dev. His story of Hiranyakashipu is narrated in the seventh canto, one through ten. Uh, uh, there, uh, Shukadev explains that because of their feet, uh, their fences at the feet of devotees, two attendants of the lords in Vaikuntha named Jai and Vijay became Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha in Satya Yuga, Ravana and Kumbhakarna in the next Yuga, Treta Yuga, and Shishupal and Dandavakra at the end of Dwarpa Yuga. So those two Vaikuntha attendants on the Lord, they actually came down three times, three pairs of demons. So that's one of them is Hiranyakashipu and his brother Hiranyaksha. Uh, and so he's mentioned there, Hiranyakashipu's story is told. If you're going to get personally killed by Krishna, you had to be pretty, you know, lucky. You could just die, you know. Or, you know, find another way of offing you for your sins, but this is... Then uh, the next one mentioned is Vitrasura. This is a far-out story. Uh, this is in Canto 6, chapters 9 through 13. Uh, this is the original Star Wars. You wonder why everybody likes that story of a cosmic battle between the forces of the good and the evil and with knights that become corrupted and Jedi knights and gurus like Yoda and, you know, all that stuff. This is the story. This is the original real story of these cosmic battles interplanetary warfare between the forces of good and evil. Here it is. So Vitrasura was created by Twasta to slay Indra, made a mistake in his mantra, and it became his enemy. And uh, so the whole story of Vitrasura, the interesting thing about that story is in the fight between Indra Vritrasura ends up becoming the real devotee and Indra the bad guy. Interesting, huh? But I'm not going to tell that whole story here. We're going to go on to get through the Bhagavad But if you haven't read or it's been a long time since you've read Canto 6, chapter 9 through 13, it'll satisfy all your needs for meagerly fulfilled by science fiction today. Because <laughs> science fiction is the return of mythology in the modern form. Because people want the real... I mean, the word mythology, the word mythos, the Greek word, just means story. And so when the Christians heard these stories, they said, oh, they're myths, yeah. But, you know, the 
but religious scholars call the Christian story a myth too because it's a story of gods and you know so on. So that's another chapter in our education. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a story, a mythos, a plot. It means plot, really. You know, one thing happens after another. So that's Vritrasura, Canto six nine through thirteen. The next is Ravana. The big enemy of uh, 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 also of, uh, of Ramachandra. Uh, th- that particular story, of course, the whole Ramayana is you know a big chunk of the Ramayana is about that battle. But you can uh, read the uh, Bhagavatam, uh, two chapters, uh, uh, ten and eleven of Canto nine. The next one that's mentioned is Namuchi. Uh, uh, he was one of the participants in the big battle between uh, the Indra and Vitrasura. Uh, this is this battle took place, by the way, at the end of Satya Yuga, the very beginning of Treta Yuga. We don't know anything about it, right? Because we don't believe these stories, but. They were there, or, uh, this battle, but this inter- it says it took place on the bank of the uh, Narmada River, and Prabhupada remarks in the purport, it wasn't the earthly Narmada River in southern India, but uh, a celestial Narmada, Narmada River, because it was an interplanetary warfare battle. Uh, and uh, it's mentioned there, his name is mentioned uh, of all the, uh, well, as Prabhupada translates it, this is in the Bhagavatam 6, 10, 19 through 20, many hundreds of thousands of demons, demi-demons, <laughs> he calls them demi, you have demi-gods, you're going to have demi-demons, uh, uh, yakshas, rakshashas, and others, and so forth, uh, resisted the army of King Indra, and then among the demons, they mention so many. And the list begins with Namuchi. Uh, 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 and in Bhagavatam 8.11, it, it finally comes around to telling us that Namuchi was killed by Indra with a weapon of fena, foam, a foam weapon. They have different kinds of weapons. He couldn't be killed by water or by air, so there's a mixture of foam. They had water weapons, air weapons, you know. And the next one that's also mentioned that is Shambhara. He was another one uh, that Vitrasura uh, addressed in that battle, uh, telling them not to free, not to flee. You're going to be heroes, you know. Stand and fight. Don't run away like cowards. Some sense of chivalry. You know, don't turn your back to the enemy. It's disgraceful. Then the very interesting one, Bhoma, also known as Narakasura, the son of Bhumi, the earth goddess. And actually, and I can't remember, I was looking to see where I, I know this. Anyway, his story is in, uh, uh, is in Bhagavatam Canto 1059. Uh, uh, tells the story. I'll tell that story first. 
Uh, Prabhupada writes in the, uh, in the purport of First uh, Canto 10.29 about all these queens. Krishna, remember he had uh, in Dwarka many, many queens, 16,000 queens. There were other queens taken away by Lord Krishna. Uh, in a similar way, a full description of this beautiful booty. Because <laughs> they were all, uh, had been stolen by, uh, by, by Narakasuma, Narakasura, Bomasura. A full description of this beautiful booty, I'm quoting this because of that term of prop, beautiful booty of Lord Krishna, will be given in the 10th canto, that's the 59th chapter. There were 16,100 beautiful girls who were daughters of many kings who were forcibly stolen by Bomasura, who kept them captive for his carnal desire. These girls prayed piteously to Lord Krishna for their deliverance. At the merciful Lord, called by their fervent prayer, released them all by fighting and killing Baumasura. All these captive princesses were accepted by the Lord as his wives, although in the estimation of society they were all fallen girls because they had been carnally injured, even though it wasn't their fault. They were still blamed somehow. They had to bear the brunt of that. The all-powerful Lord Krishna accepted the humble prayers of these girls and married them with the adoration of queens. So altogether, Lord Krishna had 16,108 queens at Dwarka, and in each of them he begot ten children. All of these children grew up and each had so as many children as fathers, the aggregate of the family members numbered 10 billion. Don't excuse, yeah, 10 million. Yeah, 10 million. So the story is a little bit here, is that goes like this. Uh, this is from 1059.2. Sugadev Goswami said, after Bauma, this is Bauma Sura, had stolen the earrings belonging to Indra's mother, along with Varuna's umbrella and the demigod's playground at the peak of Mandara Mountain. So Bauma had actually, you know, gone up there and, you know, attacked successfully uh, Indra and gotten some of his stuff, his mother's earrings, Varuna's umbrella in the playground at the peak of Mandara Mountain. <laughs> Papa calls it a playground. He calls it a playground. Indra went to Lord Krishna and informed him of these misdeeds. The Lord, taking his wife Satyabhoma with him, interesting, he's going to fight, but Satyabhoma goes along for the ride, on Garuda to Prayotishapura, which was surrounded on all sides by fortifications of hills consisting uh, uh, fortifications of hills, unmanned weapons, not a new thing, water, fire, and wind, 
and by instructions of Murapasha wire. Prabhupada, uh, not, it's not Prabhupada, it's the 1059, uh, uh, Rita and others. The Acharyas have explained in various plausible ways why Lord Krishna took his wife Sarvabhoma, Sarvabhoma, Satyabhoma with him. Srila Sridhar Swami begins by saying the Lord wanted to give his adventurous wife a novel experience and thus took her to the scene of this extraordinary battle. Also, Lord Krishna had once granted the blessing to Bhumi, the earth goddess, that he would not kill her demonic son without her permission. Since Bhumi is an expansion of Satyabhama, the latter could authorize Krishna to do the needful with the unusually nasty Bomasura. But so somewhere I read, I can't find it where it was, Bomasura was actually Krishna's son. When he went down as Lord Varaha and rescued the earth, one time I researched this because we were looking to see what the earth was depicted, you know, and the Iskon picking have Lord Bohr lifting the earth. Uh, they show a globe, you know, and I, well, you know, that's an Iskon painting. We found earlier ending in the pictures Lord Bohr had in his a pile of mansion. But the oldest pictures we could find showed sitting on his tusk a beautiful woman. Naked, as a matter of fact, in the old drawings, uh, because the devas often went naked, or very little clothing. That was Bhumi. And he, but the touch of his tusk on her skin impregnated her, because Varaha, being the Lord, one part of the body can perform the functions of all the other parts. <laughs> So she became pregnant. That's why there's some consideration for Bomasura because he is actually, and Bhumi is an expansion of Satyabhama. So, so then anyway, it says, Satyabhama had been miffed when Narada Muni brought a celestial parijata flower to Queen Rukmini to pacify Satyabhama. Lord Krishna promised her, I'll give you a whole tree of these flowers and so in this itinerary, uh, they went with him to get this heavenly tree on the way. Uh, uh, and our uh, commentators say, even nowadays, devoted husbands take their wives shopping. And thus, this is before, of course, the internet. And thus Lord Krishna took Satyabhama to the heavenly planets to get a heavenly tree as well as to retrieve the goods Bomasura had stolen and return them to their rightful owners. Uh, so this is how uh, that uh, Boma is mentioned here. Uh, Bomasura, the son of Bhumi and actually Krishna. Then uh, the next uh, demon that's mentioned is Hiranyaksha, the twin brother of Hiranyakashipu. You'll find his story of the killing of Hiranyaksha, uh, Canto 3, chapters 17 through 19. 
And then another one is Taraka, who's listed among the demon commanders with, along with Bali Maharaj in the, in the eighth canto. So that's the list of these 30 kings who tried to rule over the earth, but were somehow rather our only names in history books and, uh, and uh, so on. So, uh, uh, so this list, she says, uh, uh, as mi I'm list listing all these uh, kings, as well as many other demons and king who possess great power of control of their others, full of knowledge, heroic, all-conquering, and unconquerable. Nevertheless, this is Bhumi Devi's take on him. Although they lived their lives intensely to try to possess me, these kings were subject to the passage of time, which reduced them all to mere historical accounts. None of them could permanently establish their rule. So this is actually now, if you look at the translations in the, in the Bhagavatam, this is the close quotes. <laughs> in Bu the Bhumi Gita. The whole chapter is called the Bhumi Gita, but this is actually her statement. And then uh, of, the, of, of, of her, her take on all these things. And, you know, she an expansion of Satyabhama, actually, you know, Krishna's queen, so this particular Bhumi Devi. Then in text 14 and 15, uh, we have the remarks made by Shukadeva Goswami on narration about kings and about the Lord. So we're back to this narr narrative of Shukadeva speaking to Maharaj Prikshit at the end of his life while he's waiting to hear hearing about the Lord on the... Uh, 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 narration. So I'll, I'll read uh, uh, 14 first. Uh, I think they're translated together here, but uh, 14 goes like this. Kata imas, excuse me, kata imas te katita mahi sam vitaya lokeshu yasha pare yusham vigyana vairagya Vivakshaya vibho vacho vibhutir natuparamartyam. Shukadev Goswami says, uh, O mighty Parikshit, I have related to you the narrations of all these great kings who spread their fame throughout the world and then departed. So this is Shukadeva Goswami. Now, so, you know, the earth has some reason to talk like that because Shukadeva Goswami mentions the same thing. They're all departed. They spread their fame. Vitaya Lokeshu Yashaha, Yashaha's fame, of these Mahiyasam, Mahiyasa, you see that in the in the verse and the, the great kings, but actually the word king is not the, the great. So the 
translators here provide kings, spread their kings throughout the world and then de departed. My real purpose is, was to teach transcendental knowledge and renunciation. Same purpose, vijnana and vairagya. Vivakshaya, I had the desire to teach jnana vairagya, vijnana vairagya. A lot of times you see the jnana vairagya go together, knowledge and renunciation. Uh, but here is vijnana. Uh, the jnana is Prabhupada sometimes translates as textbook knowledge, learned knowledge, but vijnana means direct experience knowledge, vijnana vairagya. Uh, science, that is, you know from your direct perception. Uh, people don't know that real vijnana depends on vairagya. And so they are this, what we call spiritual knowledge, it's just knowledge really, but they can't access it because uh, in order to get your PhDs and various branches of knowledge, nobody asks of you falling for regular principles. They're not considered noetic principles or anyway. Uh, so then he goes on, uh, the, these, uh, they, my purpose of telling you these to teach this transcendental knowledge, because in mixed with these stories of kings are all, you know, the Lord is mixed up in that and renunciation. Stories of kings lend power and opulence to these narrations, but do not in themselves constitute the ultimate aspect of knowledge. Uh, uh, he, he says here, vacha vibhuti, uh, the, 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 these decorations of words, you know, uh, are there, but not param artyam, uh, of the most essential purport. Uh, now, there's a different way of translating this. <laughs> this is the BBT translated this way, uh, with the focus on this, uh, 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 because there's a, a BBT purport, since the narrations of Srimad Bhagavatam bring the reader to the perfection of transcendental knowledge, they all give supreme spiritual lessons, though apparently dealing with kings or other mundane subject matter. In relation with Krishna, ordinary topics become transcendental narrations, with the power to bring the reader to the perfection of life. Uh, so here they are focusing on this vacho vibhutya natu paramartyam. Uh, these narrations uh, are decorative, but are not in themselves, as they understand it, the paramartyam, this paramartha, the ultimate uh, perfection of life. Banu Swamis has a different translation. Again, he's following... Vishnuvat Chakravarti Thakur's commentary. So he says, O mighty Parikshit, I have related to you the narration of all these great devotees who attain the Lord. Uh, that's taken this word, Mahiyasam Pareyusham, 
these two words here, Mahia Sham, of the great, really, and then agreeing with it, Pariya uh, Sham, later on, who's, who have departed. The, the word Pariya can be read different ways. Uh, because Pariya uh, who have departed, as the way the Bhagavatam takes this reading of the word, uh, the verb e, just the e, just this one vowel e is itself a verb meaning to go away if you have para in front of it. E is sort of to go, and so para e, para is one of its meanings of this para plus e is to go away. So he takes this, they have departed, they have gone away. Uh, but Banu Swami's translation, as translating them, great souls who have attained the Lord, not the great kings who have gone away, but the great things that attained the Lord, is based on uh, Vishnu Chakravarti's Thakur reading of Pariyusham. Uh, is uh, because Vishnu Chakravarti says about great devotees like Priyavrata who have attained Iyusham, the Lord, Para. <laughs> para means here supreme, <laughs> the beyond. <laughs> so, who have it, Iyusham, who have attained the Lord. So that's how you get these two different, both legitimate readings. And they say that, you know, if two different authorities have two different readings, they're both right. So you could take it either way or both ways. Because the word parama artya, uh, which is translating the word for word as most essential purport, paramartha, without the uh, Y-A-M, means paramartha means the highest or whole truth there. So that's how you get these two different ways uh, 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 here for these uh, two readings. Uh, so that's that. That uh, why the uh, the Earth is giving these uh, uh, is giving these narrations. And here, Shukadev Goswami says about these narrations, and you can take them either uh, th- because so many of them are uh, 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 saintly kings, huh? Uh, pure kings. Uh, 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 that 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 they are uh, worth reeling, and those saintly kings have gone on to the Lord. The saintly dynasties of the saintly kings, you know, and the Bhagavatam, uh, Bhagavad Gita uh, describes them that way. Um, do we have time for another verse here? Okay, so text fifteen. Uh, uh, this is again uh, Shukadev uh, uh, Goswami speaking to Maharaj Prikshit. And say 15 goes, Yastutama Shloka Gunanuvadaha Sangiyate Bhikshnam Amangalaknaha Tameva Nityam Shrindu Yadda Bhikshnam Krishna Malam Bhakti. Abhishama, Abhish, 
Samanaha Abhipsamanaha. Now, the person, the translation here, uh, Bhagavatam, who desires pure devotional service to Lord Krishna should hear the narrations of Lord Uttama Shloka's glorious qualities, the constant chanting of which destroys everything inauspicious. The devotees should engage in such listening in regular daily assembles and should also continue his hearing throughout the day. Hmm? Uh, so this uh, verse, Yaha uh, uh, too, uh, which, on the other hand, <laughs> the other narratives, this is sort of another hand supports one reading, of Uttama Shloka. Uh, 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 Uttama Shloka is a Sanskrit compound. Uh, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is praised in transcendental verse. Uh, shloka means here uh, uh, verse, Uttama, beyond darkness or transcendental uh, verse. This is a kind of, 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 of compound in Sanskrit uh, where it, it Uttama Shloka means not the verses themselves, but he who is praised with those verses. This kind of compound is called a, a bahuvrihi. Uh, the compound, the name of the compound is a, is its instance of itself. It means much rice. <laughs> Meaning, you see, much rice doesn't mean much rice, but the person who has much rice. So this is the person who is praised with uttama shloka. You notice in the in the tr translation here, Lord Uttama Shloka, they very assiduously give you the exactly Sanskrit correct way of, of putting those words together when they're taken out of con the uh, grammatical context. Here, Uttama Shloka. <laughs> anyway, Uttama Shloka. Um, Prabhupada just usually says Uttama Shloka, even when it's the Lord's name. Uh, so the now, so here the taken here, the the Lord Krishna says here narration of his glorious qualities because that's what his verses are, his his uh, the recounting Anuvada, uh, the re speaking and literally you know speaking after of the qualities of the Lord who has these uh, transcendental verses. Uh, uh, destroy, and this, uh, these, this always, abhikshnam, amangalagna, gna means to destroy, this verb g-h-n-a, gna, amangala, everything inauspicious. Uh, 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 and that did one should hear these things nityam uh, regularly uh, and abhikshnam constantly. 
the one who should hear this, the one who desires abhipshamana, uh, 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 pure devotional service to Krishna. Banuswami translates this, one who desires pure bhakti to Krishna to hear the narrations of the Lord's glorious qualities, the constant chanting of which destroys everything inauspicious. Uh, the BBT purport, they say, since any topic relating to Lord Krishna is auspicious and transcendental, the direct narration of Lord Krishna's own activities, political and non-political, that's with kings, without kings, I suppose, is certainly the supreme subject matter for hearing. The word nityam here indicates regular cultivation of the topics of Lord Krishna, and abhikshnam means indicates constant remembrance of such regulated spiritual experiences. I should I should explain. There's two different senses of the word nityam, uh, because one meaning is eternal, and the other meaning is regular. Uh, something done regularly or in a scheduled reoccurrence or daily. Uh, uh, so so uh, the. Yeah, so the, the, the dictionary is is continual or perpetual or eternal. Uh, uh, but also, like, there, there's called Nitya Dharma and uh, Namitika Dharma. Uh, Nitya Dharma is things that you do every day, regularly scurrying in Namitika. You only do on certain occasions. This is the word that's used as naimitika. Uh, 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 so these are two senses of this word nityam, either eternal or regular. Nityam Bhagavata Seva, you should always hear. Well, regularly, Prabhupada, the, the regular uh, uh, hearing of Bhagavatam, the daily, the daily morning practice of, that's why Bhagavatam is done every day. Every temple has a Bhagavatam class in the morning. That's nityam. Uh, uh, so this, uh, but they make a distinction here between the some I've got, got probably some some other acharya. This word abhikshnam, which means constant, perpetual, almost uh, seems to be redundant, but they make a, a separate. That that uh, this uh, this uh, abhikshnam refers to um, uh, uh, a regulated cultivation and constant remembrance of such regulate, so that you hear Bhagavatam in the morning, you should be thinking about it all day. You know, that's. Uh, uh, the the point of that. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur does have an interesting purport to this verse. He uh, says, uh, 
Yeah, he says, uh, Therefore one should continuously hear stories about these great devotees. But in talks about stories of the Lord, one should hear the remarkable excellence in the stories concerning Lord's eternal associates, which are superior even to those stories of these great devotees. One who desires pure bhakti should constantly hear the stories revealing the qualities of the Lord, which are found here and there in the other cantos, but are everywhere onto the tenth canto. Thus, four points should be understood. Hear about devotees, hear about hearing about Krishna's devotees, hearing the Bhagavatam, and hearing the tenth canto. <laughs> so especially the other cantos lead up to the tenth canto and prepare the way for that, which uh, tells you know the, the story of, of Krishna himself and especially in the 10th canto, his Vrindavan Leela, which is superior, where, where the Madhurya, the sweetness, overwhelms the majesty. And so the more intimate dealings of the Lord with his devotees are re revealed. So that's the point about that. And maybe this is a good place to stop here. Because what next happens next in the Bhagavatam? Uh, uh, is now Maharaj Prikshit. It says Sri Rajovacha, Maharaj Prikshit, again asking questions of uh, Shukadeva Goswami. So then we'll go on from there. He asks uh, actually six questions, excuse me, five questions. Uh, the, the questions are in uh, 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 six, uh, 16 and 17, and there's one question in 16 and then four more in 17. So that's where we'll pick up. Uh, next class with these uh, these questions. And now we'll see if you have any <laughs> questions or comments. First question from Ramananda Prabhu. He asks, um, well, I'll just phrase it. I, he says, I'd like to ask a question, but d don't know if, it's, if it is proper. Were any of the 16,000 princesses actually violated by Bomasura? The reason I am asking if is if they were physically violated, doesn't it reveal Sri Krishna, Sri Krishna's magnanimity in accepting all of them despite being polluted? I I don't know the answer to that question. Whether they just appeared to have been, but anyway, you know, he they felt ruined. They could not be married to anybody by those, those standards that they had then. They felt ruined, disgraced, uh, humiliated. Uh, and so the magnanimity is there just because of their reputations as opposed to whatever else they had been subjected to. 
But whether in the actual act he actually violated them, I, I don't know. It just reminds me of, you know, the classic Sita and Ravana, you know. The, yeah. The, just by the fact was Maya that she was Sita, in his house, got, you know. Yeah. And you would think that if a demon got to... That's true. That's a good point. That if, with the, 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 the whole story about Maya Sita, he didn't get the real Sita. He got Maya Sita. And, uh, and so that was the Lord Chaitanya brought back that story to the Ram Bhakta who was grieving that she had been stolen. He didn't. He once, And you can see, if you take something spiritual and you use it for sense gratification, it turns into maya. That's a good point because ultimately everything is spiritual. There, Prabhupada told me that once, you know, personally, because he was, we were in, it was a morning walk in Mayapur, and he was talking uh, about using the example of how uh, the trees that we see growing around us, uh, this is in a morning walk in, excuse me, Newfoundland, the trees around us was actually sunlight in a different form. It's just the wood is a different form of sunlight. So actually, matter is just another kind of spirit. And that actually everything is spirit. And I started thinking about that. And when I finally got a choice, we stopped somewhere. And I said to Prabhupada, you know, I'm trying to understand the distinction between matter and spirit. That I'm not my body. And you know what's what's, and I'm not my mind. You know, so what's what's actually the self, and what's the not self? I'm trying to draw this the distinction. So that's my occupation. And now you're saying everything is spirit. So I'm confused. And it took me quite a few years to understand his abs, his his very terse answer. He said, we are not Mayavadis. And I thought, what does that have to do with the question? But he said, we are not Mayavadis. There are different kinds of spirit, <laughs> he says. So ultimately, everything is spiritual. But when, that's, when the jyoti becomes covered by maya, illusion, or sense gratification, it's called matter. That's Prabhupada writes somewhere in his uh, at that time, I don't think we had the the full Bhagavad, the full Bhagavad Gita yet. I don't know if that was out, but anyway, that's what he the, he explains it. So, and he de he describes Krishna consciousness as the process of converting, of sacrifice, as the and especially Krishna consciousness of converting matter back into spirit again, about the re-spiritualization of matter. So that's why that, that is important to understand this mm -hmm. distinction between matter and spirit is, a, is a, in some ways a distinction of consciousness. But there are different kinds of spirit. That's savvishesha. You know, maya, mayavad is nirvishesha. There, a vishesha is a concrete particular. Something is a this rather than that. So Shankara's Mayavad philosophy is called Nirvishesha. Prabhupada's Pranam mantra, Nirvishesha Shunyavadi. The, 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 the Mayavadis and the Buddhists, Shunya, everything is void, where everything is one. 
which is cognitively indistinguishable from void, but that's another thing, which means that God has no energies. But we study his energies, his internal and spiritual energies, his external and marginal, the different visheshas are there. And then even the spiritual energy is also variegated in different ways. And so this is an important uh, distinction here between this matter and spirit and between different kinds of spirit. Ramananda Prabhu replied, good point on that one. Um, a question from Adi Devi Dasi. She says, Hare Krishna, please have my humble obeisances and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. She asks, does Nityam Bhagavatam Sevaya mean literally Bhagavatam study, or even if we study other Prabhupada books, is it equally potent? Uh, they're all potent, and if you only study one, but to really understand, like the, 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 the Bhagavad Gita is sometimes is the preliminary study for Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, and after you've read and understood Bhagavatam, you go back to the Gita again, you see it in a different way. You know, you can go deeper and deeper. So, uh, it, 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 they, they, they all go together. Uh, so, uh, the Prabhupada really very much, you know, when he left for the, the, the West, he really did want to, uh, you know, he had translations of the Bhagavatam with him that he had done in preparation for that. I think he had originally translated the Gita before he came and somehow or other he lost his manuscript and had to do it all over again. So that's also an important work in this ways. So I would say that after you've read, as you read the Bhagavatam, and you go back to the Gita, you'll again see many, many things you didn't, you didn't notice before. I mean, there's reading and then there's reading. I mean, ultimately, if you really want to get down to it, all you need is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, and it can take you there. But really, the other things help us appreciate the Maha Mantra more. So, especially the books we, uh, I think it's very, very important that everybody read Chaitanya Charitamrita. That was the other thing that Prabhupada went to great trouble uh, to give, you know, multiple volume work uh, for us. And he didn't, because Prabhupada didn't know exactly, uh, he, he gave us right from the beginning, like the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, that's the Krishna book. So even if he didn't live long enough to translate it, we would have it in essence. He gave us nectar of devotion, so he would have the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu ahead of time. He gave us teachers of Lord Chaitanya, so if he didn't get to the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we would have it. You know, that, that was some, so uh, all these things have now, you know, we don't have the whole Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu yet, but we do have big parts of it are in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. 
Bhakti Greg asks, he says, Hare Krishna. I didn't quite catch where we can read more on Vritta in the Bhagavatam. That's the story you liken to Star Wars and science fiction, correct? Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> They're all about, the whole Bhagavatam is full of interplanetary warfares between gods and demons. There's these big cosmic fights, and then uh, uh, Krishna enter. The reason we study them is because Krishna enters to tilt the balance of the, the battle. Uh, you know, the churning of the milk ocean is another contest between the devas and the daichas. Because after all, they're the same family. <laughs> it's, a, it's almost a civil war between these two. You asked about uh, where in the Bhagavatam. I, uh, which one was it? Uh, yeah, where did I write that down? Oh yeah, here, let me get that down where it is. Um, I had another text up, excuse me. Yeah, so there's there's many of those kinds of uh, kinds of uh, stories. They're great, you know. If any taste for science fiction can be completely, you realize the original. Or another one where they took really old kind of stories is the whole. Lord of the Rings and all that stuff, you know. Tolkien, he was he was a he was a, a expert on medieval literature, you know. Uh, uh, and so he took some of those stories and did a sort of take on them. Yeah, Canto six, chapters nine through thirteen. Hiranyakashipu, Canto 7, 1 through 10. There's big uh, uh, long narrations about these. Uh, the whole story about Hiranyaksha, the gold rush, <laughs> the earth sink because he took the gold out. Uh, uh, Canto 3, chapters 17 through 19. It's another one. Prabhupada calls it the gold rush. Prabhupada even marks all this mining we do of things out of the earth can actually disturb, might dis make a disturbance. We're really messing up the earth in many ways, the ones we know about and the ones we don't know about yet. Some questions on the phone. Hi, Chris, it's Chaitanya Lila. Oh, and uh, and I wanted to know in the uh, on the Bhagavatam in the sixth uh, canto, you're talking about like the Star Wars analogy. Would you consider Vidrasura more of like a Darth Vader character? <laughs> Vidrasura. Uh, well, you know, those they also turned out to be. You can't tell who's the good guy, as I remember. I mean, I don't remember Darth Vader that well. Well, I, you know, I, 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 after I became a devotee, I didn't go to the movies at all because we frivolous activities, you know, like gambling. I probably listened to cinema among them, and uh, so I didn't. 
And then we were going to make a fate museum and have a big meeting in California I was invited to to talk about the fate museum. And uh, one of the devotees from California called me up and said, you've seen Star Wars, of course. The first movie had just come out. He said, of course. I said, no, I haven't seen it. I was shocked. He said, well, you can't. He said, you can't do this fate unless you understand what the technology is. So, but I had a pass to go watch, see the first Star Wars movie, and it blew my mind. Because Lucas was raised on the same kind of serials I used to see as a kid. When, you'd, when I was a child and you'd go to the movie theater, for, you know, they would show features, and before the features they would have these serials where they would have in with a cliffhanger and then the next one every Saturday, the matinee for kids. And so Lucas knew those and he knew how to do the same things, you know, so it was like really far out. Anyway, that's my story about about uh, this kind of thing, uh, uh, why I, I uh, uh, got, got into it. Now, I forgot the, what I was supposed to answer the question. Is, is, is Richard Sir the Darth Vader character? Is he the Darth Vader character? Uh, I, it depends on who you mean by the Darth Vader character. Vritrasura was created by a, a demon, uh, by, by a Brahmin, by the demons, in order to, to overcome uh, the demigods. But he made a mistake, uh, uh, and so then uh, Vitrasura is ultimately redeemed. I'm not quite sure what happens to Darth Vader, whether he's ultimately redeemed or not. But actually Vitrasura turns out to be, uh, or turn, turns out to be uh, quite uh, 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 pious and, and Indra's got problems. You know, Indra. Remember, Indra was also challenged by Krishna himself, and you know, brought down the Samvartika cloud because of uh, the impudence of this boy. He didn't recognize him. Uh, so, so the anywhere there's pride, uh, uh, the the real problem in the material world, if I just may interject this is to be able to act competently and to have things like power, influence, uh, renown even, and not to become proud. Uh, it's very, very difficult. And very few can resi resist that temptation. On the material platform, they have a hard time. Uh, you know, only if you uh, compare yourself to other great people, you realize how many, even though you may be famous for something here, there were many more people who were more famous than you in the past. And if you study history, you can learn a little bit about them people. And you can also see the same lesson that the earth is telling you. Yeah, these are big guys, but look what happened to them. They've all disappeared. You work hard, you become President of the United States, you do things that are celebrated, you have monuments, but ultimately you're just some name to bore a schoolboy with while he has to memorize, you know, who is this guy that I have to learn about him, you know.
And then all the scandals come up after a while that you, that you manage to suppress in your lifetime and so on, you know. Or the things that you were celebrated for, like Andrew Jackson, you know, who's on our, now they're going to change it, you know. He's like the author of ethnic cleansing in America. He's the one that, you know, took the Seminole Indians out of Florida and, and southern Georgia and did what we call ethnic cleansing, drove them out to the barren west so that everybody else could grab the land. That's what he did. Oh, what a great American. And now, oh yeah, now we call it ethnic cleansing when those other people do it. So our heroes don't look so good. So if you really want to see really good heroes, this is where to go. But the really good heroes, the really big ones, are, are humble. And the only way that if you, if you know about Krishna, it's not possible to be puffed up. Uh, that's who's really great. Ekala Ishvara Krishna Arya Shabhavritsa. There's one great Lord, that is Krishna. Everyone else is his servant. And you become great by becoming the servant of the servant. So that's what Lord Chaitanya glorifies his own servants. And the six Goswamis glorify the devotees. None of them are on the path of pride. But if you look in America today or any country, the, all their people, they got their immortality projects, their God projects going on to bore future generations with their glories. Anyway, I just put my word in for the path of humility. And you start to become humble in Krishna consciousness. If you chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, you notice that when Lord Chaitanya recites these the, the Shishastika prayers, as he goes further and further, uh, going in the higher stages of Krishna consciousness, Dainya, humility, increases. He himself, he wants to be taste that humility that he sees in his great devotees. Because that's also a, a wonderful quality. And, and so as one becomes advanced in Krishna consciousness, that symptom is that humility increases. Dainya. And you cannot become proud of your humility <laughs> because your mind will tempt you to do that. And then you can dis ostentatious displays of humility. <laughs> I've seen it occasionally. <laughs> so, be careful. You have to we have to accept that humility is realism. Because we're not, you know, have to compare yourself with Krishna. That's it? Oh yeah. From Krishna Das Prabhu, he asks, he says, Hare Krishna, dear Rindrasar Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisances. I'll go to Srila Prabhupada. Could you please explain again the difference between matter and spirit? Well, Prabhupada says ultimately 
the, the matter is something that we accept as something that we can use for our sense gratification. Uh, the, when we say somebody's a materialist, uh, we want to enjoy. So, spirit covered by illusion or sense gratification is called matter. This is Prabhupada's definition. It's in, I forget which verse in the Bhagavad Gita. It's in the fourth chapter where he describes sacrifice and how sacrifice is the reconversion of the illusory energy into Brahman. Ultimately, everything is Brahman. That's in the Upanishads, Sarvakla Vidam Brahman. You know, everything is Brahman. There's only Brahman. Brahman means absolute, right? That besides which there's no second thing. But there's the illusion of a second thing, something separate from Krishna. I think of myself as separate from Krishna. I think of the world as separate from Krishna, and therefore it's my playground for me to enjoy. So when we have the enjoying spirit, Krishna disappears from view. That's called illusion. When illusion goes, you see, well, our real vision is nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. This is achincha veda veda tattva. It's the idea of different kinds of spirit. And that, and that if we, anything used in Krishna's service, even if it's material, like this desk in front of me, or this cup, if anything I use for Krishna's service, it loses its material quality and becomes, as Prabhupada put it, as good as spirit in the spiritual world. Here, this, this kind of spirit, you can, it can become covered. In the spiritual world, there's no covering present. Anyway, that's how Prabhupada explains it in the in the uh, this this uh, in the Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter, which about about sacrifice. It's the conversion of illusory energy into Brahman. I hope it's the fourth chapter. I remember that. <laughs> My memory for numbers is really bad. Uh, words I do better with, but this the the you know this is this this is. This is his idea. Uh, so, what we call material energy is one form of Krishna's energy, so therefore it's spiritual. And if we see it in connection with Krishna, it loses that quality of separateness. The, 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 the illusion vanishes, and so we see that, yeah, every, nothing is different from Krishna. So you can find places where Prabhupada said in lecture, don't see a tree, see Krishna. It doesn't mean that the tree is God, but that I should see that tree as Krishna's energy and appreciate it as that. It's a jiva, the jiva's in this position, and look what Krishna has done with that tree. Everything about that tree is almost inconceivable. I mean, people spend their whole lives just studying 
a particular tree or kind of trees, and you talk to any of those biologists who study trees, are amazed, are amazed at what's there, finding new things they didn't know. But that attraction, if it's purified, becomes attraction. Wow, where did this tree come from? How did it come about? And if they didn't have this doctrine that somehow we have to explain it how by, as all happens by accident. The mystery is how could this happen by accident? That's because you got this really amazing thing that you can't explain unless you say, wow, there's some amazing thing that gives birth to this. But that you're not allowed to do right now. But if the world is wonderful, how much more wonderful is that from which it comes? Has to be. This this idea that the cause is greater than the effect, or that things happen for no reason at all, is something that you know, atheists and some Buddhists have to convince themselves of. But you don't see it happening anywhere. And most people, when they look at something that happens for no reason, they look for a hidden cause. Okay? So we pick up next week where we left off. And uh, that leaving off takes us... I, I marked it in my, in my uh, notes here. Yeah, we're on, we're on uh, text 16 now, where Maharaj Prikshit is asking five questions. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam, Ki Jai.